Before we start the show, I just wanted to let you know that the Modern Manhood Podcast has a Patreon page. You can support me in making this podcast and trying to get the guests and trying to get the gear and trying to get some time to actually do the stuff that I do by just throwing in a couple of dollars. All you need to do is go to patreon.com slash modernmanpod and then you can put in some money. You can put in two bucks a month. You can put in five bucks a month, whatever. Less than a cup of coffee in most places, in Starbucks especially. Um, you can support this podcast and the stuff that I do here at the Modern Manhood Podcast. And hopefully it'll bring you some other things too. I am working on some new ventures, working on a website, uh, working on other things that will try to get more news about masculinity and healthy masculinity in Edmonton and outside of it. So go to patreon.com slash modernmanpod. Understanding the many different views of masculinity in the modern world. My name is Sermon Vijegas, and this is the Modern Manhood Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Modern Manhood Podcast. I'm your host, Harun Vijegas. Before we begin, I wanted to let you know of a couple of changes that's going on in the podcast and in the website in general. First thing, I'm honored and privileged to start a new relationship with G Radio. Now, G Radio is an independent web-only radio station playing local songs in Edmonton and running podcasts on scheduled time, so like a radio. I'll join such awesome G Radio shows like the High Level Showdown, Cups and Cakes, and the Awesome Hour, among many, many others. So, you'll be able to find the Modern Manhood Podcast on Tuesdays at 8pm on gradio.ca. I think that's what we decided. I think 8pm was a good time. Now, second of all, and this is something that's been in the works for a while, the Modern Manhood Podcast is getting a little bit of a rebrand. Now, don't worry, you're still going to be able to hear the same content, you'll still be able to hear the same guests, same information, and the same style. And I'm not going anywhere. But you're going to see a couple of changes. First of all, the website's changed a little bit, and it's just getting ready to change into the style of the rebrand, which I haven't released yet. Um, and you will find the podcast and also the blog spots from the Ferdinand all at the new website, modernmanhood.org. Now, modernmanhoodpodcast.com is still around, and it's still just going to redirect you to modernmanhood.org. Nothing's changed in that respect. But, you know, that's going to go away soon so uh just just to let you know it's now modernmanhood.org pretty soon we're gonna get a new logo a new color scheme a new style i've seen it already i've seen previews of it i can't wait to show you it's gonna look awesome now third of all i'm a finalist in metro's community choice award for best local podcast in edmonton this is an honor already there's a lot of awesome podcasts around and i am privileged to be in the company of such amazing podcasts, for instance, like the High Level Showdown and Awesome, the Awesome Hour, who also got nominated. Um, but it would be an amazing honor to win. All you have to do is vote for the Modern Manhood podcast before June 14th at edmonton.metrocommunitychoice.com. It'll be under entertainment. If you go on to local podcast, just sign in and just vote. Please do so before June 14th. Now, for today's episode. It's a little bit of a special one. I wanted to speak directly about men's mental health and how men have problems getting the help they need either through the systems that they try to go into that creates barriers or the society that sees them in a different light. 
This goes hand in hand with Men's Mental Health Awareness Day, which is happening on June 13th. Health Canada is promoting it, DHS is promoting it. Um, so you're going to see a lot of things around it. I'm also going to put up a blog post about how Men's Mental Health Day started. Um, so you'll see it on the website. So for this specific topic, I wanted to speak to a frontline worker here in Edmonton that deals directly with people with mental health disorders and problems. She's an intake worker um, at a very prominent company, but unfortunately I can't mention just for confidentiality's sake. Her name is Jessica Craig, and she's been helping kids and adults with mental health problems for years now. Lucky for me, she's got a keen particular interest in men's mental health and is also a good friend of mine. So I was lucky to share a bowl of pho with her, um, went to her house and sat on her couch um, in between her dog Zoe to speak about the issues that she sees out in the front line. Here with uh, Jessica Craig, uh, she's a mental health worker in Edmonton. Um, I wanted to talk to her specifically because um, she is an intake worker that does have a lot of um, male clients and there, there does come to be some sort of um, pattern that comes out there. So welcome, Jess. Thanks for having me. What are the patterns that you're seeing when you're taking these patients on? I think the one thing I notice the most is that these people are coming through, I mean, obviously, oftentimes really confused, um, mostly because the response that they've received from attempting to seek help for mental health issues is that, um, well, you have a disability, just go see your disability caseworker. And this is for a really specific population. So, if, of course, not for every every male patient that I'm coming across. Yeah, for sure. What but, kind of population are you uh, talking about? Uh, specifically, people with high-functioning autism or what was previously diagnosed as Asperger's before the DSM changed or the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, so these gentlemen come through um seeking support but oftentimes what they've received is responses like uh go to your disability caseworker which many of them because they are so high functioning they've managed to make it through many years of their lives without actually any support um from any uh like alberta supports or any type of funding anything like that um and for many of them they don't know where is the line between the social challenges that come along with my diagnosis and what is actually social anxiety. Yeah. So what kind of, what kind of social challenges are you talking about there? So communication, um, friendships and and boundaries. Um, So a lot of these guys struggle with maintaining relationships because there's um, obviously just some challenges and some um, deficits in social development there and um, connecting with others, empathy, the the things that we take for granted and what comes so easily for a neurotypical person in terms of relationships. So do you think this is um, a form of of stigma that applies specifically to to males that um, involve where people assume that they're supposed to get a specific type of service, but you're, you're saying that they need a different type of service? Yeah, definitely. I think there there needs to be some appreciation when we're delivering a mental health service to someone with a disability that there are going to be those inherent challenges in their environment. So the you know the counselor, the psychologist they're seeing needs to account for those those challenges. There's almost a, like a, a, a coaching component to it in the mm-hmm. sense that 
Yes. Um, I mean, it depends on how you look at um, working with someone with a disability. There's that inclusive component for some and for others. Um, they look at it in a way of, well, we need to inform the public and how to be more understanding and open-minded about people who are different. Um, so depending on how you're looking at it as a counselor, maybe you're looking at it from a, and they often do, from a more inclusive perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes those types of counselors that have that background and training are private. So mm. for most people, affording $190 an hour for That's a counseling tough. session is completely out of reach, especially if they're on AISH or on some kind of income support. Yeah. That's completely out of out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, that's it is that and you know like financial financial burden does play into part specifically when you talk about masculinity um and what kind of stigma that comes around just uh trying to get through as being a guy um is there a specific demographic that you that you see in your workplace or um one that that kind of sticks out to you yeah in general we see i mean if we're looking at it from all the intake that we do um obviously it i mean surprisingly it, it does seem to come off as being about 50-50 in terms of male versus female referrals. Um, when I work specifically with this population um, on this, uh, with, the, with uh, autism spectrum disorder, they're, for the most part, males between the ages of, I mean, we start as young as 18 to up to 60 years old, but I would say for the majority seeking mental health support, I would say between 20 to... 40 is the most common um, age group that comes through looking for supports. 20 to 40, eh? Yeah. As young as 20 years old, eh? Yeah, and some, I think there's even a couple um, 17 or 18 year old kids as well that that we've had come through seeking support. Yeah, and a lot of the time it's, especially at that age, it's determining whether this is a result of social isolation. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of these uh, individuals have gone through a lot of challenges in school they've been bullied um they haven't really had an opportunity to develop a lot of connections in their community or maybe they're coming from a smaller town they've just moved here they don't know they're they're starting their first university and they don't know how what what's normal what how do we how do i connect with other people so they they come in thinking well i'm, I'm com- feeling completely isolated and i think a lot of the time they have a hard time making that determination between what's me being feeling isolated and not having friendships or um and what's the difference between that and actually feeling like it's i'm so anxious to the point where i can't leave my house can't to, really function to, yeah to, to build friendships yeah. wow that's interesting are these self-referred do they like family comes with them or how do they know that they, they they might need some help yeah that's actually a really good question because a lot a lot of these i will say predominantly young men come to us with their family members Uh, so it's almost their their family members are cueing them into you know this is what someone your age is doing they're working Mm -hmm. they're they're going out with friends they're doing all these typical teenage things or they're doing these typical young adult activities but they're noticing that their their child or their adult child is not doing those things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's oftentimes the parents say oh well it's motivation my child's not motivated or my adult child's not motivated but i think that really only looks at that from a really minimal uh, doesn't really dig very deep because yeah that doesn't account for the fact that well look at the pattern of this individual has had to try really hard to gain acceptance from his or her peers mm-hmm. and you know is, is it that they're not motivated or is it that they have to work that much harder to gain 
some acceptance from people and that could be exhausting I couldn't imagine um, having to navigate the world trying to study people trying to figure out how do I interact with others what what do quote-unquote normal people do or neurotypical people do in a conversation that would take a lot of energy so I mean that also brings up again the argument of do we as a society need need to learn to be more accepting and, and understanding of people's differences or do we continue to train or, or teach social coping skills and social strategies and yeah I would love it for for it to be the the second one I suggested the learning and teaching social strategies but where's the funding for that there's no yeah totally yeah there's no funding for that <laughs> yeah there's very little funding for mm-hmm. social supports especially for social coping mm-hmm. um and it is interesting that you say that there's like you, these people uh, want to be quote unquote normal, or they mm-hmm. or the family see them that that they're not normal in that sense, um, and that's how they kind of figure out, hey, there might be something more. Yeah. Um, do you think a lot of people fall through the cracks? Oh yeah, uh, that's a huge issue. I think that that's where the majority of individuals come to us. Um, there's a really interesting program that's run by um, Alberta Supports, Alberta, what's formerly known as Alberta Works in Alberta, that essentially their mandate is to catch those people that have fallen through the tracks. And I, I should probably keep track of how many referrals I receive from them that are for individuals on the autism spectrum who are higher functioning, who don't qualify for uh, PDD or persons with disability, mm-hmm. um, sorry, persons with developmental disability funding or who don't qualify for um, AISH, so mm-hmm. Assured Income for Severely Handicapped, um, who have no income, no, they can't find employment. Um, so they're basically at the lowest point in their lives. Their families may or may not have given up on them, um, and, and they, they show up um, through that program. They refer them to us, um, and they essentially have very little support left. Um, so not only are they have they fallen through the cracks in terms of financial supports and employment and all the things that give us joy and a sense of belonging and a sense of identity, but they also have lost the families that have given them some kind of hope and motivation and have been the ones that have pulled for them for so many years because, I mean, families grow old and parents can't always be there for their children. And if, you know, mentally or physically, some of them of the times the families have come and their their loved ones have or someone's showed up and their 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 parents have actually passed and they've basically shown up after living for two decades in their mom or dad's basement mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a complete crisis. Yeah, and those are the people I kind of worry about as well too, mm-hmm. like the people who fall through the cracks and the pe- and especially what like you say, like if they're not getting H or they're not getting PDD or and they're not getting. Um, any funding or government support now they feel even less like mm-hmm. something is like falling be- below them right yes like yeah. especially when you think about the i mean they've already facing they're already facing that stigma of, of having a disability mm-hmm. then they're facing that stigma of being someone with low income mm-hmm. someone who um is unemployed uh and is facing a ridiculous amount of um judgment from employers I mean, you look at the skill base of so many of these individuals. They have multiple degrees, if not master's degrees, that are going completely unutilized um, because employers are refusing to hire someone with a disability because they think it's going to be too challenging or it's not worth putting the effort in. Or they can't move up or they can't do anything. They're not like they're, yeah. Yeah. And for sure, social skills do play a role in the work environment. But if we have advocates or 
individuals working in a in a in a place of employment for for these individuals then they they will thrive because they need individuals to look out for them it's been proven in so many different other um with so many different employers um there's a lot of studies being done right now with microsoft down in the states as well where they're hiring people they're doing a, a hiring um i guess i would call it like a hiring campaign for individuals on the spectrum and they're hiring all these incredibly smart people and it's going well because they have supports in the building available to help coordinate when that individual needs to take a break or when that person right. needs support with communicating an issue to their employer. That's interesting, yeah. especially in the tech sector. That's like, I feel that's one of those sectors that are, you know, you expect those people who work like 15 hour days or whatever. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I, I think so many of them are capable of doing that. It's mm-hmm. oftentimes more so the, the social deficits that really get in the way is how to navigate um, a disagreement with your employer or a disagreement with a customer right. and how to do that with respect for that yeah. that person or for the, the employer or the customer. So one of my questions, and I've always had this kind of internal question, because we do a lot of awareness support, especially around mental health, especially mm-hmm. around with people um, who have mental disabilities. Uh, there's, a, there's a big awareness campaign, especially think, I think of things like Bill, Let's Talk and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Do you see a difference in like the people that, will come in and either self-diagnose, not self-diagnose, but like self-refer themselves or they see the family. They're like, oh, this might be something else. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that's, that's causing uh, an, an uptick in that? Yeah, I, I think it's incredible. And it's, it's something I've noticed being in a position like this for, I mean, I was in one in, in a, with a similar organization. I left for a while, came back, and you see a huge growth and I'm sure if you look at the data, a huge growth in the number of referrals that come through. Um, it's actually pretty incredible how many how many we do how many individuals we do see come through specifically our organization, which is one of many in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think some of that can be lent to the awareness campaigns, like for example, Bell Let's Talk. But the issue that I have with something like that, a campaign campaign like that, is. Um, if we're and I realize they're 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 raising money for mental health initiatives by having those donations put in, but I I struggle so much with how there is such a limited amount of resources still out there for the amount of people that are being referred in. For sure. And the amount of times that we still have these people falling through the cracks, like for example, the population I'm working with is it, it rattles my my brain that we still despite all these awareness campaigns, it's it's scary to think, well, we have all this money, but we need to make sure that we have a plan for what do we do now that we've made all, you know, raised all these funds. Right, where right, is it right. going to go? Because in my mind, I, I, I can see where it does need to go. It, it needs to go into programming and it needs to go into making mental health services accessible to more than just the middle class person. I mean, it, it, it's not something that a, a low income individual can access. If I'm, if I give you like unlimited powers and unlimited <laughs> money, <laughs> <laughs> what would you do, um, to, especially to uh, maintain, uh, you know, or either raise mental health services specifically for for males or the people that you see? Yeah, I think um, continuing to provide it through a provincial healthcare provider is important. Um, creating something where when someone comes in with a crisis, they're not told, okay, yes, I'll do a referral for you. And then they have to wait 
for three months before they can get an intensive mental health counseling service. Um, you know, the, the money that we see go into emergency services, it it's incredible how much money I won't say is wasted, but is spent on basically firefighting. Um, you know, you have totally. people coming into the emergency department, of course, they're in a state of distress. And if that's being taught as the only way to approach your mental health issues, or not necessarily taught, but if that's if that's the only way to get the help you need right away, um, that's that's pretty scary. So creating something where there's, you know, a, a general intake process where everyone who comes in, regardless of um, income level, uh, gender, um, whether they have a disability or not, is given access to these services. And um, the, in, in order to create some sense of equality in that someone who has the money to afford to pay $190 to see a private psychologist is receiving the same level and quality of service as someone who um, is homeless because right. the assumption is always, well, if, if someone's homeless, you know, that the, the housing issue is the issue. It's never the mental health issue first. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. There's always all these bandages problem, right? You, mm-hmm. you see a problem and they just put a bandage on it. Then you see right. another problem and put another bandage on it. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So mm-hmm. would you do a little bit more prevention work than, than secondary or tertiary work? It's sometimes hard to predict when we're going to have a mental health crisis mm-hmm. and sometimes, um, and, but I think that does speak to to prevention work as well, like teaching kids at a younger age um, that, and this, you know, this is obviously very much a generational thing. I think now that we see a lot of people um, this day and age, they'll, they'll be way better at talking to their kids about, about, you know, it's okay to talk about these things. Um, if you're not doing well, uh, make sure you talk about it. Cause obviously, you know, years ago when uh, it was kind of hush, hush, you know, if there's mental illness that runs in the family, you, you don't want to talk about it because yeah. that's kind of like the, you totally. know, the, the, the secret family. Um, yeah, the, the, the family fa- secret. Yeah, the little family We're secret. Exactly. We're not going to live around the world. Exactly. <laughs> so I think the prevention work um, will naturally develop well with this upcoming generation because there is quite a bit more conversation around these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And that'll be easy to, easier to foster and easier to... Um, justify funding for because i think a lot more children and i hope a lot more children will be a lot more open with their their families but when they're struggling my last question for you and usually i ask these to my male guests but i'm going to ask you in a different way um what is something that what a piece of advice that you would give to a family member or someone um that you see somebody that they're you've noticed that they're either struggling with um their own mental health or struggling with um their societal problem in general Obviously, it's the most cliche answer that I could probably provide, but that's okay. There, is, yeah, <laughs> it's the only way to put it. Is is I mean, there is help available. I think I tend to get pretty cynical because I see so many concerns coming forward in my everyday work life, and mm-hmm. it. I think it just naturally makes you more cynical about what's out there. But but there really is help available, although there is improvements to be made in terms of ease of access. Um, there is help, so. I would encourage those people to, of course, either, you know, from the position I'm in, talk to their doctor or talk to a friend. Um, You know, the chances are that that friend or family member may know someone who 
can tell you where those resources are. Um, and especially your physician too. Oftentimes your physicians are connected with resources to be able to provide to you um, the crisis line. And there, there are a number of distress support lines in Edmonton that also provide those as well as um, lines like 211 mm-hmm. or is it 211 yeah. or 311? 211, yeah. 211, yeah. So 211. Um, but really a lot of the, the mental health services can be accessed by, by requesting support from your physician and then referrals can be made and I can't advocate for that enough. Yeah. yeah. So ask a lot of questions. Ask your doctor. Ask anybody. Yes. If you feel something wrong, just yes. keep asking questions. For sure. And the more we have these conversations, um, the better and easier people will feel about coming out, um, you know, if they're ever struggling. And it feels good to be able to give back. And if we can start talking about these things, the earlier the better, um, especially, you know, if you've got kids, if you're noticing some of those behaviors too and some some challenges that they're facing and making sure we have a good conversation about what else might be going on besides just regular everyday just growing up kid things yeah teenager things <laughs> yeah, teenager <laughs> things <laughs> exactly jess thank you so much for um being on the show this was great uh, and i appreciate having um a frontline worker front, frontline worker um mm. giving the perspective on this yeah well thanks for asking me some questions as I mentioned before, Alberta Men's Network did a survey in 2015 talking to 2,200 men in Alberta about masculinity and manhood. Now, a lot of the results in the survey fit into what we just talked about regarding men's health. For instance, a third of them mentioned that societal pressure stops them from getting the help they need. Um, nearly three out of four don't know where to get well-being or healthy relationship supports in Edmonton um, or in Alberta or anywhere in, in particular. Uh, so as Jess was saying, if you are one of these people, or if you know one of these people that, um, think that you need some support or that if you feel that they could be better, if they had the supports that they need, please call 211 in Alberta and see what's near you. You know, we talked a lot about the barriers that society and that, um, places like the government or anywhere else seems to put specifically for men's mental health. Um, but there are some things that can help you. It doesn't really, that can't be an excuse for people not to get the support they need. Think about Alan Featherstone, who in our last podcast said he's getting the support he needs from going to AHS and getting that service. Um, and he is doing it as a free thing. I know it's not an easy thing to do sometimes, but you got to try. Also, you can find more information about the survey, the results, or the Alberta Men's Network itself by visiting albertamen.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think about this topic. I know it's a sometimes can be a contentious topic, could be a controversial topic, but really it's an important topic. Also, if you do want to shout out your organization that does help out mental health in general, it doesn't have to be about men's mental health, but if you do want to talk about mental health and you want the Modern Manhood podcast to shout your organization out, please give me a shout out on my line on Twitter at Modern Man Pod or Instagram at Modern Man Pod, or just give me a message on Facebook. I respond to a lot of people on Facebook. That's all. I got a lot of our guests on Facebook, actually, to be honest. Or you can do it the old-fashioned way. Send me an email, modernmanhoodpodcast at gmail.com. Next episode, I hope to have a very special guest. I'm actually super excited about it, but I don't want to ruin the surprise. Not not yet, anyways. If you like what we're doing here and want to support the Modern Manhood podcast or just the Modern Manhood in general, please check out the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash modernmanpod. And for only two bucks a month 
that helps me create the podcast, the website, the blog post, the research, and everything else that comes along with it. That's all it is. It's two bucks a month. You can go higher if you want. I'm not going to stop you, um, but that's all it takes. All the music that you hear is provided by Night Vision Music here in Edmonton. Check out their academy. Check out their website at nightvisionmusic.com. You're going to find events like uh, Jesse Rose that's showing up at the Bower on June 16. Or if you want to just be an awesome DJ producer, check out their academy. They're offering lessons for people to understand how it is to work electronic music and to be a good producer in general. Anyways, have a great week, everyone. And we'll talk to you next time on the Modern Manhood podcast.